Hey folks, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show typically done Sunday mornings, uh, Eastern Standard Time at 10, a- 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. But today, uh, and I don't know, for the next, probably every, maybe every other week for the next few weeks, uh, I may be doing this show on Saturdays at 10 a.m. as well. Uh, as I prepare for my Saturday uh, D&D game. In this case, I am running uh, Descent into Avernus. So this is a uh, twice-monthly game so far, played online over Discord, as all my games now are played online over Discord. And uh, yeah, and we're playing Descent into Avernus. So uh, this show, like all Sly Flourish, fine Sly Flourish uh, uh, projects are brought to you by the fine backers of Sly Flourish on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish, you too can help support this show. The backers of Sly Flourish, the patrons of Sly Flourish help fund for fund equipment and bandwidth and the, uh, the, the new Sly Flourish email newsletter, all sorts of different things, uh, all, all various little bits of the infrastructure that helps keep shows like this and the blog articles and everything like that going are funded through the support of Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Sly Flourish to help back that. So yeah, two weeks ago, uh, I decided, well, more, a little bit more than two weeks ago, uh, I had two groups of friends that wanted to play D&D and we brought these groups together and uh, it's five, five players. And I said, you know, why don't I try? I, it was like, maybe I could run a one-shot game or I could try some other stuff. And uh, I decided, you know, I, I do want to play both, both of my regular weekly games decided to do uh, Eberron, which is great. And we're having a lot of fun with Eberron. If you want to hear more about my Eberron game, you can uh, see this show tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'll be talking about my, my Sunday Eberron game. Um, so I certainly didn't want to do a third Eberron game. And I thought about doing some one shots. And I was like, well, I've got this great, you know, Descent and Avernus book and it's beautiful and the theme is cool. So why don't I try that? And uh, so that is um, that is what we did. Let me put some better artwork up there over here on the right. What do you think? Source for adventure is Descent into Avernus. Let's just put that cover art. The cover art's pretty awesome. There we go. Zariel. Zariel, she's like, I want my sword. Come back here, sword. The sword's like, I don't want you. I'm flying away. You're mean and stuff. So, um... Yeah, so I decided I wanted to play Descent to Avernus. Now, Descent into Avernus is an interesting adventure. Wait, what day is it? It is Saturday. Hey, my mom is here. Hi, mom. Um, so Descent into Avernus is a weird, a weird adventure. Man, my hair is weird too. Or all of our hairs, we're going to all have weird hair, so I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, if you go to Amazon and you go to Descent into Avernus, Descent into Avernus has 945 ratings, uh, 90% of which are five star, and 10, the remaining 10% are four stars. Those are tremendous ratings. Uh, and if you go to uh, Curse of Strahd, which is pretty much the most popular uh, D&D adventure, it has almost exactly the same... It's about 100 reviews less, so maybe 10% less in reviews, um, you know, but it is, right, so Navy DM says by a huge margin, except not that huge if you look at Amazon ratings, right? If you just, that's one measure, and yeah, there's like a million reasons to argue against it, but, you know, 
I think it's a it's one gauge of popularity is how many reviews do you have on Amazon and what's the ratio of those reviews. So, uh, yeah, so Curse of Strahd, which is, I'm pretty sure, the most popular um, the, the most popular of, of, of hardcover adventures. What would be another one? Let's do Tomb of Annihilation. Uh, let's do a Dragon Heist. Dragon Heist is pretty popular, too. Uh, why did he Dragon Heist? 677, right? So that's significantly less. Um, let's see Storm King's Thunder. Let's try that. We're just looking at general popularity. 441. So less than half of Descent into Avernus, right? Um, so that means Descent into Avernus, I will argue that means the marketing worked really well. However, many experienced dungeon masters that I've talked to, at least a half a dozen dungeon masters that I've talked to who have run or been running, um, wonder how the sales were affected for Wildman. I don't know. Let's take a look. Right, let's see how the reviews are for Wildman. Wow. Only 173 reviews. I think what happened is this book came out and immediately like you couldn't get it for weeks. Like, when can I get it? I can get it Monday. Oh, hell. Monday. Yeah. So I guess the, the shipping on that stuff. But yeah, that's a little surprising. So um, what's my point? Uh, it is, yeah, so I've talked to a lot of experienced DMs uh, who have run Descent into Avernus and had problems with it. Uh, pretty significant problems, too. So every published adventure has problems. Uh, all of them do. I would argue Curse of Strahd has fewer problems than just about any of the hardback adventures. And some of them you can get past and like still are great adventures. So like Tyranny of Dragons, Horde of the Dragon Queen, the first half of Tyranny of Dragons has this like weird ass thousand mile road trip that you take about halfway through the adventure. And a lot of people are like, how does, you know, and it's really peculiar how you get in the road trip as be has to happen almost exactly a certain way. And it's really weird. That's a problem. Um, and uh, Tomb of Annihilation, which I consider to be my second favorite hardcover adventure. I really liked Tomb of Annihilation. I thought it was a great adventure, and I loved how they put it together, and I loved the structure. And it had, like, three major problems uh, and kind of a little bit of a fourth. Uh, so I'll give it four problems. Four problems with Tomb of Annihilation. One, there's no real intro adventure. you just sort of thrown into a city. And, you know, I really like the ones that have an intro adventure. Just a little starter thing that just gets you started in the adventure. There are some, there's some great ones in the DMs Guild. So, and you can make your own really easily. I made my own real, real small adventure to get people started. But I really like it when a hardback adventure, a big campaign adventure, has like a nice intro. Uh, Curse of Strahd, of course, has Death House. Death House is great. Many of the other hardback adventures had good intro adventures. Uh, I would, you know, Waterdeep Dragon Heist has a great intro adventure. So many of them do, and Descent, uh, Tomb of Annihilation did not, and that kind of sucked. Uh, two, the Death Curse, which is this huge deal, uh, is too powerful. It is, it is too, um, it, it grows too quickly. It's too dangerous, and it means that if the characters were to, if the players were to really react to it the way they should. Uh, they wouldn't do any side tracks. There's no way you'd do anything except for try to stop that death curse as fast as you can. Uh, death curse is probably not a great thing to be talking about right right now these days. So um, it's way better when it sort of scales up. Like there's this grim thing on the horizon, but you don't really know what it is. 
and it grows as the game grows it grows as the campaign grows and then eventually it's like no there's this thing and everyone's stopping and like you know ramp up the death curse keep a dial on how how important the death curse is and keep it really low in the beginning so that's the second problem third problem is there's a lot of npcs that can get involved in the character with the characters and a lot of them can steer the game in weird directions or they can um overshadow the characters a lot so keep those npcs out of the spotlight have them drop in and drop out of the group. Be really careful about bringing them in. Be really careful about which ones you bring in. So the example is uh, Dragon Bait and Artist Simber. Uh, they're just super powerful NPCs. And if they join the party, they're just going to kill everything. So it's way better to say, have them drop into the group and have them leave right away. Uh, that is the third. So no starter adventure. Death Curse is too powerful. NPCs. And then fourth is the Tomb of the Nine Gods. The final section, the final third of the adventure is so deadly that you're going to have this awesome campaign arc. This one I didn't discover until after I played it. You're going to have this awesome campaign arc with all this good character development and all the, the players are going to love their characters and they will have played them for ten, you know, eight, nine, ten levels. And then all of a sudden they're killed by a single button press, you know, or they just go to the wrong hall and they're crushed to death. Or they fight a beholder and the beholder disintegrates them. And death in Tomb of Annihilation is permanent. You know, there's no resurrections, there's no raised dead, there's nothing you can do. So when you lose a character, you lose a character. And I had a player who lost two characters, right? She had two characters that she'd been playing, and she lost both of them. So it kind of sucks. So so the way there is dial the lethality back. Go ahead and let people drop to zero. Use the lingering injuries table instead. If the beholder kills somebody with a disintegrate ray, have it burn their arm off, right? Just do do something other than wipe out their character so that they can still hang on to their character. You know, uh, have them return with the by, by the... Um, you know, by the three night hags, have the night hags kind of return them to life instead. They're the only people that can, something like that. So those are the four problems with it. But all of those four are manageable. And I still had, I ran it for two groups and we had a great time. And I really didn't have to tweak that much. There's some things I wish I had tweaked, like not killing a lot of people off. But, um, uh, you know, it was great. So now we have two, uh, Descent and Avernus. And uh, I think somebody in chat, uh, Dager, said, I had problems even reading. I had problems at, with Avernus just reading it. And I think a lot of people, uh, I, I've heard, of, again, like a good handful of DMs that have run this are kind of scratching their heads in a lot of places. And people who are experienced DMs who have run a lot of games and run a lot of adventures, and they're like, What's, what exactly is going on here? And one of them right off the bat is uh, you have a whole of uh, spoilers, by the way, we're – Prepare yourself for spoilers. We're going to be spoiling Descent and Avernus. If you are in my groups or you're playing this adventure, you may not want to hear this. But it'll probably happen pretty soon. In fact, I think it's in the intro of the adventure, uh, which is Elturel, a city that is east. I'm looking at my map on my wall here. Uh, east of Baldur's Gate. Is there a scale on there? It's got a scale on that map. Where's the scale? I can never find a scale on the map. Um, Elturel, it's like a week. It's like a 10-day away from um, Baldur's Gate. Uh, disappears. It is ripped into hell. Uh, there's this floating radiant orb that's f- that floats over the city, and the orb turns black, and then great cracks appear in the ground, and the whole city falls into the depths of hell. And the- all that's left is a crater. That is awesome, right? Like, whoa, that's a big deal. It happens off screen. And in the adventure itself, it's already happened. And you're at the front gates of Baldur's Gate with a bunch of refugees trying to get into the city. And immediately, Flaming Fist mercenaries are being pains in your ass. So it's a really weird start to the adventure. Uh, and then the adventure goes heavily into this hunting down of the, 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 the dead three, cultists of the dead three. And you spend a lot of time with that. Um, and then you start to sort of get into the adventure. And then it's about fifth or sixth level or you actually kind of know what's going on and you actually descend into Avernus and deal with what's going on there. 
And uh, anyway, many people had problems with the idea that the most monumental event that happens in this adventure happens off screen. And their solution for it was a lot of people wrote DM Guild adventures in which you see it. So the Adventurers League did it. Uh, Fall of Elturel, which I'm going to talk about now, they did it. And uh, I think there's at least one or two other adventures that said, hey, we have a, in, a different introduction to this adventure, and it starts with you witnessing Elturel falling into hell. I think the uh, Adventures League one, it happens right away. Uh, I argue, of all the ones that I've read, um, of all the ones that I read, Fall of Elturel uh, seemed to have the best way of showing that. Uh, Drager says, I don't mind that Elturel happens off screen. Good for you. You know, go with the gods. If you're, if you know, we all have different opinions on it, but uh, I certainly did. I was like, to me, it's like you, you know, the special effects budget for for seeing something like that is so high, and we're in such a unique position to be able to describe that. And and I'll tell you, it looked, it worked really, really well for my group. Uh, I had I had one of my players got teary eyed, and I've never had that happen. So to me, that was a big deal. And Fall of Elturel. Uh, is an outstanding, uh, an outstanding introduction for it. So uh, this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug it right here. You can get it on the DMs Guild uh, if you search for Baldur's Gate: Fall of Elturel. Uh, I will have it in the show notes. Uh, written by Anthony Joyce and Justice Armand. Uh, I think uh, Anthony, I can't remember if it was Anthony. I think Anthony was in our chat last, um, uh, was in our chat last week uh, talking about it. And uh, yeah, it was great. So and he gave me some very good tips for running it. And those tips worked really, really well. Uh, so yes, I ran it last week for my group. And, uh, so we started our group off and we didn't do a session zero because I really wanted to sort of jump into the game itself. I wasn't sure if this is going to be like a one shot or anything else. So I want to try it. I need a, I need a drink. Hang on. Running Adventures in Hell is Thirsty Work. So this is a short adventure. Uh, and last week he gave me permission to kind of sh- flip through it on stream. And um, yeah, and it's not a long adventure. And it essentially starts, it has a really good, why is my, man, things are running slow. Browser window's running slow. And I don't know why. Heavy CPU use or something. So um, it is a short adventure. In, it starts at level one. You start in El Terrell. You, are, you have some choices of factions, and we ended up going with the Hell Riders. I said, wouldn't it be cool if the characters were Hell Riders? So they're all Hell Riders. Their boss is Gideon Lightward, but they're being commanded by uh, a young, young woman who is a very strong sort of you know, Joan of Arc-style character. Um, and the, there is a council meeting going on, and um, Duke Oldar Ravenguard of Baldur's Gate, he's the current High Duke of Baldur's Gate, he's there, and he's, and then, but the, the head of Elturel is not there. And he's like, what in the hell is going on? Where is this guy? Like, uh, I, we have major problems going on. We were going to have a, 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 an alliance, and now he doesn't show up for his own meeting? Like, this is crazy. Like, my city's falling into hell back there, right? Metaphorically speaking. But it's actually falling in there, physically speaking. So he's really pissed off. And, but he says, look, I brought intelligence that there are cults that are around in our city and they're ruining our city, but they are also around El Terrell. And here's the information. You go find them for yourselves. And he gives it to the, the head of, the, um, uh, to the, head of uh, the Hell Riders who gives it to the young woman who gives it to you guys and says, go hunt these cultists down and let's see if we can find them and maybe we can bring them in and that can help with this whole thing. So the characters go around uh, and they had a couple of great sort of NPC things. They got involved in a wedding 
they uh, helped a young girl who was trapped in a tree by hellish wolves. So I already had sort of like little hellish things happening in the outskirts. And the girl had this like rainbow scarf, beautiful rainbow scarf. And she was this nice young woman. And uh, the characters got involved with her. And then, and then they found the areas where they found one of many um, – uh, they found one of many different uh, sacrificial areas where cults of the dead three were sacrificing people. And the funny thing is they were sacrifi- sacrificing former cultists of the dragon. So uh, that was kind of neat. And, and somebody said, like, yeah, we got, like, four different kind of cultists going on here. But it was kind of cool, and they were sort of getting interact. So they fought the cultists. That was really hard because they're first level. And they defeated the cultists. They went back. They met their, uh, their NPC, whose name escapes me. And they're all standing there. And they said, well, let's go back to Elturel and tell them what happened. And they turn. And that's when the cracks form in the city. And they, hold, they, they look at, the, they look at the, the companion, which is that light that's hanging over the city. And the companion turns black. One of the characters is a warlock who is connected to the companion. The companion is her patron. And, uh, and all of a sudden, she felt this emptiness, this blackness felt, you know, fell in her. And the, the whole city fell into hell, right? And they watch it happen. And then we clipped 10 days later, and they're already in Baldur, or they were outside of Baldur's Gate. They had received a note from their patron. Uh, what's her name? Let me, let me get, her, get her name here. Uh, Rhea Mantelmorn. And Rhea said... Um, Rhea said, meet me at the inn, whatever, the, I forget the inn is in, in Baldur's Gate. Meet me at the inn. I know who did it, and we're going to bring vengeance to them. So the idea here is that Rhea believes that the Cult of the Dead Three destroyed Avernus, that it is gone, or not Avernus, they destroyed Elturel, and it's gone, right? And she wants vengeance more than anything else. And she says, it was those cultists, right? They were committing those sacrifices around the city. There were more than just the ones we saw, they succeeded and they destroyed it. And now they're doing the same thing in Baldur's Gate. And we're going to wipe those bastards off the face of the planet. We're going to, you know, the cult of the dead three are going to go where their gods are, which is dead. And so that's where uh, we ended the adventure last time. And that is where we are picking it up this time. Um, so, yeah, I really, I cannot recommend enough uh, Fall of Elturel uh, as a good introduction to Descent into Avernus. And so the lack of showing, and I know that not everybody agrees, but the lack of seeing Elturel fall, and I would argue even if you say, okay, well, it's fine that it happens off screen, but the idea that you start with a bunch of refugees heading into Baldur's Gate, like it, it was weird, right? It was kind of a weird start and, um, and no real direction about why you're there. And then the only motivation to sort of get you involved is, well, the Flaming Fist mercenaries will kill you if they don't. And you're like, hey, why don't you take those guys that would come and kill us and have them go hunt the Cult of the Dead Three? Like, we're first level, for crying out loud. So there's a, a, but if you have, like, a motivation about why, and so I have this strong motivation that Rhea, your boss, who's now head of the, you know, head of the Hellriders, she's saying, we know who did it, and we're going to go kill them, right? We're going to find out exactly what they did, but we're going to go kill them. And... That, to me, is a good, strong hook to begin with. So, um, yeah, so I really can't recommend uh, this adventure enough. Oh, yeah, so knowing that Descent into Avernus has problems with its story structure doesn't mean the rest of it is not useful. So it's a big book with a lot going on in there, and it's got beautiful art and really cool maps and design. And I know that it has a lot of... 
story structural issues, but I'm hoping that those are relatively fixable. And in my head, I can already kind of see the directions that it's going. I can already, and I, and I don't think that they are far off. So if we think about it at a large scale, if we expand our view from beginning to end of this whole campaign and say, what's it about? Uh, it's about saving El Terrell, right? That the, the goal of the adventure is save El Terrell. And okay, so that gives us a nice two-word goal. I love two-word goals for campaigns. And I love that the characters will know that that's our job. And they will know that probably by the end of the today's session, if not next, the next session. Really, El Terrell isn't destroyed. It's trapped. And it's trapped in hell. And there's only us, right? And we can go down there and try. No one's going to bother to save it. Everyone's got their own problems. And we can go down there and save it, right? I think that that is a powerful... Um, you know, I think that that is a really powerful, uh, uh, drive for the adventure. Okay. So what does that mean? Well, first they have to find out that El Terrell is down there and that it needs to be saved. And, uh, so this is where we get into, sure. The cult of the dead three is down there. The cult of the dead three is causing a lot of problems in Baldur's Gate, but they're not actually the problem. The real problem. And let's go to, uh, uh, we'll go back to my return screen here and we'll go over to here and we'll go over to descent into Avernus. Uh, the real problem you have are these uh, is that one of the dukes and her family, the Va- Vanthempers, um, that the the Vanthempers ha- are making the same pact with hell that uh, Thavis, Thavius Krieg did, and they are going to pull Baldur's Gate into hell as well, and. They're doing so because there is a poison seed that exists uh, inside. um, uh, There's a poison seed that exists inside Baldur's Gate. And this poison seed is what is it's it's almost as powerful as the companion, though it was buried under the city for a long time. It has been recovered. And since it's, its recovery, it has caused great problems in Baldur's Gate and with the right uh, with the right rituals, uh, it can pull Baldur's Gate into hell just as. Uh, just as El Terrell was pulled into hell. And that is uh, the shield that has the demon trapped inside of it. Uh, I think this is all here. Great artwork, huh? Uh, and that's what I mean. Like the artwork and stuff is great. So, man, I got I got beeping going on. Hang on a sec. Uh, I think I just turned my volume all the way down. Let me do that. Doot, doot. Um, then I'll wonder why my, um, why my audio isn't working. So, um, shield, uh, the shield of the hidden Lord, right? And the, the shield of the hidden Lord, uh, is actually, uh, is a prison for a pit fiend named Gargoth. And, uh, over time, Gargoth's presence is tainting Baldur's Gate, is ruining Baldur's Gate. And, uh, the characters have to, you know, need to learn, like, we got to get rid of this shield. We got to get it out of Baldur's Gate. And frankly, I think we should bring it to, I know someone in Candlekeep who might be able to help, right? So this kind of gets you, like, I'm, I'm in my mind, I already have a thread of how this is going to go from, which is the tier one of this. Uh, going to Baldur's, you know, they're already level two. They've already saw Elturel fall. Now tier level two to three is uh, deal with the Cult of the Dead Three. Three to four is deal with the Vanthemper, the Vanthempers. What are they called? Uh, I was just looking at their names. Yeah, the Vanthempers, right? And then four to five is get the shield and get it to um, get it to Candlekeep, and then 
about tier two, sixth level, is when they will drop into Elturel. And then there's a whole section. And I'm not even worrying about that part yet, right? Because now I've got like the next four sessions already planned out. But they go to Elturel. They deal with Elturel. So then now I'm going to expand my, my view a little bit more and say now what do they do? Well, they go to Elturel. They figure out what the situation is with Elturel. And they learn that Elturel is bound to hell by these massive chains. And only like a godly-like force can break these chains. Like they are not going to be broken. And we need to find a way to break the chains. And then it's like, okay, well, they'll have to learn about what could break the chains. And that is a quest unto itself. And then what they'll learn is that there's essentially a couple of ways that the chains can be broken. Uh, and they need basically the power of a god. And one of them, and maybe they get through, through prophecy, they don't know exactly how, but they learn that there is a prophet or a, um, a champion of Tiamat named Archon the Cruel, uh, who is living in a tower right now. And he would know how to break the chains and could, could give an, a, a deal for that. Uh, Bell, the former Lord of Hell, he knows how to break the chains. Uh, and third, uh, Zariel herself knows how to break the chains, right? And in two of those three, they need to recover the sword of Zariel. Uh, in, and then the other one is they would have to find out, you know, they have to work with Archon, Archon the Cruel to essentially release Tiamat and Tiamat could break the chains herself. So there's like three different paths the characters can take. They can, they'll learn about these paths. They'll decide which one they want to go for. And then the adventurer will head down that path. They will, they will head down that path, do what those guys need to do, you know, get the chain, you know, figure out how to break the chains, break the chains, and then adventure's over. So that to me is sort of the main arc of the adventure. And I don't know that that matches exactly what's in the book pretty closely. I think there's other sort of paths about chain breaking. There's some stuff with, demons codas chi i think the, the the big giant demon i think there's something about that and there's lots of like side adventures they can get involved with on the way but to me the main deal is like save elturel you save elturel by breaking the chains in order to break the chains you need to learn how to break the chains and you also need to learn that that is the case in the first place and you need to get into hell and that means you need to shield you need to save Baldur's Gate. You need to kill the Dead of Three. So I'm working backwards. So that to me is like the arc, right? And the nice thing about that arc is it has some major choices in it, which is like which one of these three paths do you want to take to try to break the chains, right? Like you're going to have to work with either Bell or Archon the Cruel or Zariel. You know, you know who are you? Who who do you want to work with, right? Who do you think you can work with? And and there could be some interesting ones, like the, can you save Zariel, right? They, they'll, they'll they'll know by this point that Zariel was the leader of the Hellrider, an angel that led the Hellriders into Hell, and then made a pact with Asmodeus to fight demons, right? And she has done so. So that to me is uh, an interesting uh, an interesting path. Um, yeah, Navy DM says the hell section takes a lot of extra work to, uh, work too. Yes, I've heard that. I'm hoping that if I have the arc in my mind, I can just sort of harvest what's in that section. I'm not going to run it the way it's described in that section. I am going to have my own arc, but I'm going to pull material from it. So I will probably, I expect, I expect that this is going to, the book is going to offer me less than like obviously Curse of Strahd. Uh, or 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 uh, tomb of annihilation or things like that, but it will. Um, I think I think that I'm going to harvest it for big chunks. I'm going to use the dungeons that are in there. I'm going to use the locations that are in there. I'm going to use some of it, and I'm going to have the arcs in my mind that make the most sense. So I don't have to follow, and none of us do. 
We don't have to follow it with the way the adventure is written. Instead, we can go in and we can throw our own framework over the top and hopefully still capitalize off of like the fantastic art and a lot of the cool ideas and a lot of the themes and a lot of the other sort of things that are in there. You know, the dungeons, like, you know, give me a good dungeon filled with stuff and, and I can write a seed, you know, I can write a framework around it. So even as a lazy DM, I think that this uh, adventure, I'm hoping, right? And I'm, and I'm very wide open, eyes wide open when I'm reading people's reviews and reading, you know, DM, DM David, David Hartledge is talking about it. Merrick Blackman is talking about it. I'm paying a lot of attention to what they're saying to understand how we get the most out of this adventure. Uh, I am hoping that it is more... I'm almost certain it's easier than if I was to try to make something up on my own. And I'm, I'm betting that it'll, you know, maybe it's Curse of Strahd level of, not Curse of Strahd, um, Storm King's Thunder. I had to do a lot of work with Storm King's Thunder uh, and maybe even out of the abyss, right? And certainly like the latter half of Tyranny of Dragons, I did a lot of that myself. So I'll bet you it's about the same amount of effort that it took me to get um, Rise of Tiamat, the, the second half of uh, Tyranny of Dragons. I'll bet you it, it, it's about that as much work as it was there. Only I have a lot of material in this book that I can harvest for, for stuff. So that's my hope. And that's where I think it's going. Uh, it is 30 minutes in. Let us go over to our sublime window and let's take a look at, uh, I think, do I have fall of Elturel in here? Uh, I don't. So I'm going to stick that at the end. Um, just remind myself that I've got this in here. Important that people have, um, uh, let's see, I've been ignoring chat. Uh, yeah, have the players feel invested in the air before it goes to crap. Yep, that worked really well for me. Uh, shockingly weak hook. Can't imagine, yep, the, the whole like, hey, do it or the Flaming Fist Mercenaries will beat your ass. Uh, Watsi has not always listened to playtesters. Word almost everyone warned of Healing Spirit and it still got published. That's interesting. I didn't know that there was a lot of warnings about Healing Spirit before it went out. Um, Hell section takes a lot of extra work. Uh, best way to go. Yeah, yeah. So it, it sounds like everybody, Defense and Address feels like an organ donor book. Less like a useful adventure, which is fine. Uh, but the book isn't organized that way. If I have to MacGyver a campaign from a published book, why not use the book that's designed to be used that way, like Wildmount? Yeah, right. And I think it's because they expected it was a good adventure, right? And I think, I, I, I think I've given my theory uh, before about what I think happened and why it ended up this way. And I have a feeling that the marketing team got involved with a book that they were trying to coordinate this book with the uh, Baldur's Gate video game announcement. And they did so, and they kind of shoehorned Baldur's Gate into it. Uh, if you think about it, like every other book has like a nice three-word name, like Descent into Avernus. Um, you know, I always, uh, you know, I always thought that Dragons of Waterdeep was a better name than Waterdeep Dragon Heist, but whatever. No one asked me. And, um, you know, and then all of a sudden you have Baldur's Gate, Colin, Descent and Avernus. That's weird. So I think that they were trying to do some markety sort of tying it together. And that meant there was like this rapid, like, hey, let's jam some, uh, let's jam a bunch of Baldur's Gate stuff in the beginning. And, you know, it's sort of like you stuff that in there and then the back end sort of cracks because now they have less page space maybe. And then they're kind of like reworking things in the middle, you know. So I have a feeling that that is um, – uh, I have a feeling that that when that, – that there was major structural problems uh, that happened late in the production of that adventure. Uh, that's my theory. I don't have – I don't have data to back any of that up. Uh, anyway, Whatever. The other thing is like we can complain about it, but here it is, right? And and hopefully 
Wizards of the Coast is listening to the complaints, and then when they're doing future adventures, they are less, you know, they're done with a better production style, and you know what you get from beginning to end, and, and you know, they're, I don't know, like, yeah, hopefully they do a better job of future adventures and make them more playable right out of the, right out of the book. Um, but you never know. And they're about, I argue, about 50-50, they get it right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I haven't gotten as much excited for... Yeah, something happened. Somebody said, I haven't gotten much excited for the, each of the adventures after Tomb of Annihilation. I think that they changed a lot of how they were making adventures after that. And I think it hasn't been for the better. That's my opinion, right? I, I kind of agree. I, I think that... Um, I think that, uh, yeah, they changed how they were producing adventures back then and that that was a problem. So it's a little bit of a bummer, um, but hopefully they fix it. In the meantime, like, you know, as I, as I say in my Discord channel, don't let Wizards of the Coast determine your happiness, right? We own the game. It's our books. It's in the SRD. We can write our adventures all day long. We never have to ask anyone's permission to make our own adventures. We don't have to ask anyone's permission to make our adventures and sell them. And uh, there are many third-party publishers that are making really amazing stuff. I had a big stack of PDFs I was looking through yesterday, and there's some amazing stuff out there that's coming out that isn't from Wizards of the Coast. So, you know, there's lots of, I mean, that Fall of Elturel, right? Fantastic product. So there's lots of ways to go. I hope Wizards of the Coast makes awesome products. They certainly spend a lot of money on it. And just from the sheer amount of production they put into the book, you want it to be good because you're like, look, if $50 gives me a book like that, I want everything out of it. Like, that'd be great. Um, you know, anyway, yeah. So we're going to try to squeeze as much as we can out of the, out of the book. Uh, so last time I did not have characters. So let's talk about the characters. So we have Xenon. Xenon uh, is played by Dan. He is a half-orc fighter. Uh, this is Dan's like third or fourth D&D game. So he's pretty new to it, and he and he's doing a good job of like picking a straightforward character with a with a with a clear you know a nice nice uh, uh, clear motivation. Uh, he's a half orc fighter. He doesn't reveal much about his past. It's kind of a dark past. He's been a soldier in the military. He's always keeping an eye on Rhea, right? Like he and Rhea, yeah, he he's fought with Rhea before, and Rhea knows him. Uh, there a lot of it was like, how are you tied to Rhea, and how are you tied into the uh, the Hell Riders? Uh, we have Moradin, who's also the name of the Dwarven God. Um, which I think is kind of funny. Uh, Morden is a hill dwarf cleric. Uh, hadn't met Rhea before, um, but is in the Hellriders. Uh, is in the Hellriders because of her. Uh, a small clan of hill dwarves were under attack, uh, and they, he was trying to save the forge. And the Hellriders went and helped save the um, uh, helped save his uh, dwarven uh, compatriots from uh, whatever they were fighting. And so he joined. I think he either joined the Hellriders or he's been following the Hellriders. Uh, we have Kara Bast. This is a tabaxi monk played by Sharon. Uh, she doesn't bathe. She hates water. Uh, she is part of a female royal family. She was visiting the city and uh, was told to kind of go and explore the outside world. And she's been spending a lot of time in El Terrell and particularly with the Hellriders. Uh, we have Tenacity played by my wife, Michelle, uh, a tiefling warlock. Uh, the, the Hellriders got her out of a scrape and she was uh, she her patron. She suddenly discovered that she was getting uh, powers and that her powers were coming from the companion. So very strong hook into the adventure, given what happened with the companion. So uh, she still has her powers, but there's like this hole that exists. Um, we have Lev played by Chris. Uh, Lev is a, an elf wizard uh, practicing to become a blade singer, learn magic along the way. Uh, he is, uh, you know, has a, a, a firm, uh, firm background in uh, history and arcana. Uh, I don't need text messages right now. Thank you very much. And um, 
learned magic, history and arcana, and is learning the history of the Hellriders. And has like in, in his discoveries, has like found out that there's like gaps in the history. Like like what exactly happened to the Hellriders is not super strong. So um, yeah, so that that is interesting. So those are the characters in our game today. Uh, we have uh, our strong start. Where is the game going to begin? So the game is going to begin at the bar. Uh, I know that. Where's my Descent to Tavernus, right? So we go to Elf Song Tavern, right? Uh, we're going to re- kind of start exactly where we uh, began. And I think, you know, bar, you can't go wrong starting with a bar fight. You know, that might not be so bad. So I think in the bar, there's this whole like, hey, I need you to handle, um, I need you to handle these, uh, uh, you know this guy that's coming after me, but I think like the the better the the the, the better deal is um, that uh, uh, they just approach her right, and they say like you know time for you to go down. You come outside with us, you know, or we're gonna take you down. Um, and I think. Uh, so we're just, I think we're just going to throw the bandits at them, right? Bandit captain's a little hard at second level. So I think we're going to have a bunch of bandits. We'll probably do, how many bandits is good? Five? Five bandits is probably fine. Including like a pseudo bandit captain or a thug, right? Five bandits and a thug. Um, and they are going after, uh, Tarina. They want to kill... Tarina. Um, that kind of happens second, though. What happens first is uh, Revenge Against the Dead 3. Uh, they've been seen entering the um, bathhouse at night. Uh, uh, particularly a member of their group. Let's go to our names. Uh, the names, uh, Narius Focaster. Go with Narius Foblade. Foblade, Foe Hunter. Foe Hunter is a good one. Um, Narius Foe Hunter. Capital. Uh, Narius Foe Hunter, a, uh, noble, right? Um, uh, he's a follower of, is he, what, what could he, probably of Merkel. Uh, so now they know, they'll learn about, um, let's see, I gotta put this up here. Uh, Lars Flame, Lars Flametongue will be the leader. Uh, he is the uh, leader of the five bandits, and then I can always steal more names as we go. So uh, the dead three, uh, and this is the sort of secrets, right? Uh, uh, and this is a false secret. The dead three caused the fall of Elturel.
The Dead Three are conducting the same rituals in Baldur's Gate that they were around Elturel. Um, the Sons of Vathamper. I always get their names mixed up. Uh, um, oh, there it is. It was right there. Uh, the sons of Vathamper were seen with the leaders of the Cult of the Dead Three. That's a secret. Uh, we have um, the sons uh, worked with the Cult of the Dead Three to dig into an ancient tomb about six months ago um, brought something out. Uh, the cultists worked with the Vathamper sons were murdered. Uh, no one knows what they got. Uh, whatever they pulled of the tomb now resides in Vanamper Villa. Uh, the item, a seed of evil that threatens to drag Baldur's Gate into hell just as Elturel did, was. Whoops. Uh, how many secrets is that? I got three more. It's always the final three. Like, I can always whip seven out without any difficulty at all. Um, item is a seed of evil. So what other secrets do we have? Um, um, uh, what's her name? So who, who is the head of the Vathampers? Uh, Thalmara Vathamper, right? And isn't she a, uh, is a duke of Baldur's Gate and got it after the previous duke, duck, duck I say, uh, as the previous duke was murdered when a uh, ball spawn What are those called? The the sons of Ball, the the an, the, the previous ancestors of Ball. I'm not sure Ball Spawn is right. Um, uh, when the previous Duke wasn't murdered, um, turned out a Ball Spawn, uh, and another was murdered, right? Uh, um, Thalmara Vathamfer is consolidating power. She soon will have the Flaming Fist either disbanded or under her control. Uh, uh, Thavius Krieg uh, is being held.
held by Thelmar Vavansur. Those are some good secrets, right? I think that that sort of ties everything together. You have these threads of Thavius Krieg, the, the former head of Elturel, was seen at the Vathampur estate. You have the sons of Vathampur had uh, hired on or brought on uh, the Cult of the Dead Three to dig a something out of a tomb, uh, that thing being the shield. Um, you have... Um, uh, yeah, so certainly, like, and so my game today is a four-hour game, so I need a little bit more than I typically have for, like, my three-hour games. Uh, four hours to me is, like, eight good scenes. If I have eight good scenes ready to go, I'm pretty happy. And I think, like, even with what's in the book and these secrets, I'm, I'm, I already feel pretty solid about it, right? I already feel like uh, I've got it going. So we have uh, Revenge at Elf Song. Uh, bloody battle at Elfsong, the bathhouse, uh, the dungeon of the dead three. That's a big long thing. And then we have, um, the heist at, uh, at the Vathampur state. Right. So I've got, you know, and, and, and I, you know, scenes, I say five, but the bathhouse and the dungeon of the dead three is huge, right? That's the many room thing. In fact, we should probably take a look at those, uh, fantastic locations in the book. I'm not going to worry too much about fantastic locations. Um, I think the, yeah, Duke, uh, Thalmar Vathamper. Oh, I need the sons, right? Uh, so I don't really need, I'm going to keep Gideon in there cause I, I have trouble remembering him, but as far as Oldar Raven guard, I'll keep him in whatever. Um, uh, uh, Thirstwell. We have Thirstwell, uh, Vathamper. Man, I'm never going to be able to spell this name. Um, oh, no, I guess it's Amrick and Mortlock, right? So there's three sons of Vathamper. <laughs> I wonder if I'm pronouncing Van Vanthamper. Um, uh, Mortlock is a monstrous dolt. He's not the brains. Uh, Amrick is what? Um, is Amrick the smarter of the two? Um, oh, there's this whole thing, and maybe this goes, gets in there before they go to, um, I don't know what the connection will be. Uh, but there's that whole, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, um, it's that other location. This place here. Oh, there's Amrick. What is he? 
Is he kind of an assassin? Yeah. So he's the smarter one. He's the face of the family. Right? And then Thirstwell is the brains. And I kind of like that maybe Thirstwell, and I don't know, I haven't read it, right? But I think Thirstwell might make a good um, player. Uh, he might work with the players. He's like, look, we did wrong, bad stuff here. So Low Lantern. So they're going to low learn about the Low Lantern. Let me go back up here. Um, and what's the deal? Our... our uh, Why would they come here? I don't know that I have to worry too much about it, but I guess the question is, um, um, just quickly reading up on this thing. Um, and my characters are going to be probably one level above all of this stuff. So I don't know. I, maybe I'll do this. I'm not sure. Uh, it's kind of cool to have a big boat, and you get to you get to kind of go up on the boat and deal with Amric. Um, uh, so I don't know. I'll I'll keep it handy, and maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, but I've got my, I've got enough scenes, and like I have a feeling like we'll probably get, you know, maybe we get to the end of the Dungeon of the Dead Three. I'm not sure before we figure out what's going on. And um, um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So I don't have to worry about fantastic locations. I don't have to worry about NPCs, uh, monsters. Those are also in the book, so I don't have to worry about that. You know, so in a lot of cases, like it, it, it's, it's helping, right? Playing this published adventure is helping. This is not. This is not. I feel like I. I mean, we'll see when I run it, but I'm. I feel like I'll have enough to go, to go with. Uh, this treasure I already gave out. Um, I'll just put previous. And I can come up with treasure, so I'm not too worried about treasure. Uh, one other thing I have sitting in here are a couple of. This is in the whole vein of how to play D and D over Discord. Is I have a couple of macros that I set up here. The first one is how to roll initiative for all of the characters plus a monster uh, very quickly. I can feed this in, and then I just type sla- uh, uh, exclamation mark roll in it, and it rolls initiative for all the characters and the monsters all at once, and then the initiative is ready to go. And that way, none of the players have to do anything. I don't even have to ask for roll initiative. It just works. And so far, I haven't had any group. I think there's a little bit of like, you know, grumbling, but I don't think people care about initiative that much. It's not that big a deal. And it's so swingy anyway. Like, you're still rolling a d20 and you're adding like one or two or three, right? Like, it's not a big deal. So to me, um, having initiative just really fast so that, you know, you don't have to sort of break the situation. You can just say, you know, here we go. You know, I got, yeah. So it's kind of funny. I'm not used to not saying roll initiative. You know, I'm not used to just doing it, but um, it it works. It works pretty well. So, so I think that that works well. Uh, and then the other one is I started adding, adding music. One of my players said that she missed having music. And I said, huh, let me take a look. And there's a, there's a plugin called Groovy. It's a bot for discord called Groovy. And it plays from YouTube 
or um, yeah, Spotify and some other things. It doesn't play like local music, which kind of sucks. So you have to have like a YouTube, uh, you know, playlist or, or or song or something like that. And uh, so I found some tabletop audio tracks that are on YouTube, and I um, uh, and I um, set up some things so that I can quickly play those tracks. And uh, that works. That works pretty well. So I just stuck those in here as well. So that is it. Um, I'm, I haven't been looking at chat recently. Uh, so uh, a lot of people talking about a lot of adventures. Um, yeah, everybody thinks that my theory is probably sound. I'm going to port Fall of Terrell into a VTT. Just start running it on online in a series of one shots. That works. That's pretty well. Um, I mean, I don't know if Fall of Elturel works as a one-shot because it's like you want it to, you know, it's a campaign introduction. So I don't know. If you need a one-shot, you know, have I got a book for you right here, you know? And by the way, not to, I'll give a plug uh, right at the end of the show. Um, the digital version of Ruins of the Grendel Root, uh, wherever you buy it, whether you buy it on PayPal or you buy it on RPG, now includes all of the maps that you would need to port it into a virtual tabletop. So if you want to play it digitally, uh, all the maps are there and you can use them however you want. They're all part of the package now. It's about 100 megabytes worth of maps and art. Uh, it's all the character art. It's all the internal artwork as JPEGs. And it's the maps that have already been scaled so that you can drop them right into uh, like Roll20 or I think into Fantasy Grounds as well. So um, yeah, so that's now part of the package. And if you were a backer, of the Kickstarter, you already have all that stuff. It came in the package. So if you don't know where that is, look through your backer emails or go back on the Kickstarter, look in your messages, click the link, and you'll see the link that lets you download that stuff. Um, if you bought it previously on PayPal, uh, you should have received an email with an update that said, hey, you can, there was about, yeah, not, not a ton of people bought it that way. So it's like 150 people. Um, you could go and click the link and download it again. If you don't get it that way, if you bought it, if you bought the digital version of Grendel Root and you can't find anything and you've looked for a while and you still can't find it, uh, let me know on Twitter or send me an email and I'll, I'll get you hooked up. But uh, yeah, and if you bought it on a drive-thru, you can go back to the drive-thru page, log in with the same one you bought it and you'll look at the, if you go to the product page or you go to your library, you'll see that there's a link for art maps and you can download all the art maps. So if you're looking for one-shot games to play, there's 10 one-shot adventures and runes of Grendel Root. It's $15 for the PDF. That includes PDF, EPUB, and now all the digital assets to run on a virtual tabletop. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to do that to make it easier for people to play. Um, I got mine digitally hand-delivered from Sly Flourish himself. That's true. Evil John, and there's a reason why. Uh, I emailed Evil John at – we were at PAX Unplugged, right? I met him at PAX Unplugged, and he was the first backer of Ruins of the Grendel Root. And therefore, it was my pleasure – to email him the link to the rewards uh, at PAX Unplugged, which was about a week before anyone else had a copy. And that was because I didn't want to release, it was ready to go, but I didn't want to release it and then go to a convention and have things get all dorked up. So yeah, that, that, that worked well. And yeah, Navy DM said, I ran Rat in the Cellar for him. Yeah, so Rats in the Cellar is now, that's something I forgot to mention on Patreon. Uh, Rats in the Cellar, which is now known as Regnum Rattus, is a free adventure for Patreon backers. So if you are a ba- backer of Sly Flourish on Patreon, uh, you too. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, hang on a second. Rats in the Cellar. 
Oh, come on. I saw it, and then, it, you know, search, man. Search sucks. So, um, I don't know why desktop search sucks so bad. It shouldn't suck that bad. Give me a second. There we go. Uh, I can't find it, man. This sucks. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, oh, there it is. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. Uh, I've got to make a new tab window here. Uh, rats in the cellar. Bang. Is that showing up? No, it's not because I'm on my other channel. Let me flip back. Bang. Regnum Rattus, the rats in the cellar. This is a uh, one to five adventure made for short sessions and short scenarios in which you go through uh, the haunted and lost tunnels uh, beneath an inn, uh, an inn that is now held by an old friend. And so you go through all these weird chambers and everything like that and get in all kinds of zany adventures. So, yeah, it is a uh, full, full adventure. I think it's about 10 pages long. Uh, it has art that I, that I, that I got from DriveThruRPG, um, and it's got a map from uh, Daniel Walthall. It's awesome. There's some cool art there. And, uh, yeah, and I've, I've, it, yeah. So, uh, it even has like how to expand it out. I always love this sort of like how to expand it out. So, um, yeah. Uh, if you are a backer of Sly Flourish, this is exclusive to backers of Sly Flourish on Patreon. Uh, everybody that backs Sly Flourish on Patreon, uh, gets a free copy of this adventure at one first five first level characters taking them up to fifth level. So nice tier one. Fun little tier one, short adventures. Also perfect for online play. Designed designed uh, to be played anywhere, but uh, could certainly play well online. It is meant to be sort of theater of the mind. Uh, I've run it theater of the mind. So uh, you don't really need maps for a 3D tabletop thing, but it, uh, yeah, enjoy. So uh, yeah, I think that, I think that we're all set. I'm pretty happy with it. I probably, I have about an hour before the game, no, a little bit more. So I'm probably going to just sit and read through the adventure itself and sort of toy with it. But even from just hammering out these notes, um, let me go back to my notes. Uh, I feel pretty good. I think it'd be fine. And, 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 you know, I'm, I, I like where the adventure is going. I like, I like the ideas I have in mind. I think that I can pilfer and harvest. I think I can get past, like I'm paying attention to where things are weird. You know, my friend Enrique was like, what's up with Archon and this orb and does he want it or not? And it's like weird motivation for characters. I, you know, I'm happy just having a map. You know, you give me a map and some nice art. I'm pretty happy. So, um, yeah. So I think, I think we're all set and, uh, uh, I think we're ready to go. So I want to thank everybody for coming on to the uh, stream today. I appreciate all of the feedback and, uh, it's always a pleasure to, to, to talk to you. Uh, I will be back here again tomorrow at 10 AM Eastern standard time, uh, talking about my Eberron game. So I haven't even, I'm not even thinking about Eberron right now. I'll think, I'll start thinking about it at about five o'clock tonight. And then uh, we will worry about what's happening in my Eberron game uh, tomorrow. So please, I, I hope you will come back and uh, hopefully you guys can get out there and play a little bit of D&D. Have a great day.